Welcome to the Infinite Spark of Beam podcast. My name is Keith Welsh, and in this episode, I'm going to be talking to you about chaos magic, uh, how it's used, uh, why it works, and how spiritual practice and ritual are actually chaos magic. But before we get into all that, if you'd like to support the ongoing creation of the Infinite Spark of Bean and all that that entails, you can do that at theinfinitesparkofbean.com where you can find a link to a donation page where you can sign up to donate monthly through Patreon for $1 or $5 a month or a one-time donation of kindness through Venmo. Uh, there's also a link to purchase one of the two Infinite Spark of Bean books, still working on the third one, uh, or if you have the books, uh, you can also support this effort by purchasing t-shirts, tank tops, hoodies, and art prints through the shop link on the site. So here we are, finally, chaos magic. Let's get started. So I know that I've mentioned chaos magic briefly in the past, but uh, now I'd like to go a bit more in depth. Um, I'm not going to go too deep into the history of it. You can do all the Googling yourself, but what I am going to share with you is my understanding of chaos magic and the practices that have gotten me the best results, and not just me, but others that I've uh, passed practices on to. Um, that, see, that's the thing. The, hmm. There are things that work for me, right? But they don't really work for anyone else or they just didn't have any results. And, and I, really, I don't really share that stuff. But what I do share is what I've passed down to others that has worked for me as well as other folks. And it has worked over and over again. So um, preface if you are currently practicing chaos magic and at the end of this feel as though you need to correct me, contact me about something, do two things first. One, don't correct me because I don't care. Two, reread everything you have ever read about chaos magic and start over. Um, this system uses postmodernism as its base, which means that when it comes to this practice, there is no objective reality. And if that statement makes you tighten up, turn this off. It's not time for you to do this. Uh, go study right-hand path magic and spare me the lecture. But if that statement turns you on, keep listening. Um, another thing that I'd like to say before we get started is that no ritual, uh, no practice of any sort should be posted on your social media. This is an inner revolution. And remember, the revolution shall not be televised, nor shall it be posted. Um, we're dealing with very subtle energy. Everything counts. Every bit of focus counts. When you are taking time to fuck with your camera, it tells me that you're not fully focused or invested in the ritual. And if you think that you can do both, you have a lot to learn about the human mind. When you make these things public, you invite the energies of others into your field. Um, and we don't want that. Even if it's all supportive of what you're doing, it's still going to be varied support. Varied support, rather. Um, we only want one reason, and that's our personal reason for the ritual. So please, please, please keep this stuff to yourself. 
There is a uh, collective unconscious. Time and space are an illusion, so stop it. Just do the practice, the ritual, whatever. Just keep it a secret. Um, So I'm going to start by reiterating something. You are going to have to hold two opposing ideas in your mind at the same time. Um, This is going to challenge your mind and perception. So let me say that again slower. You are going to have to hold two opposing ideas, and believe them both, in your mind at the same time. Black and white thinking will not work with this. This system, uh, and I use the term system loosely, was created uh, or more accurately discovered by a man named Austin Spare. And if you've watched the Netflix series Archive 81, this is why I got really giddy and excited when Samuel's alias was Alistair Spare, a mixture of Alistair Crowley and Austin Spare. I nerded out for a bit. But um, Austin Spare, uh, just briefly, was an artist, um, was a right-brained thinker, right? He was an artist. If you are very left, if you're a very left-brained person, this is going to be challenging for you. Um, some of you that I've talked to closely about some of these practices, um, you know, some of you are very left-brained, but you kind of got over that, and that's fine. Um, it was what you needed, right? Some of you left-brained people probably need to get over in your right hemisphere a little bit. <laughs> so let's start off with the widget analogy. Um, the widget analogy again. See. I've been slowly building up to chaos magic with you guys for a while now, so jokes on you. Um, I wanted, I want you to imagine that you and I are sitting at a table. We are sitting across from one another, and, and I'm saying all this to really. Uh, I need to not tell you why. I need to just say it anyway. Imagine we're sitting across from each other at a table, and I reach into a bag. And I, um, I, I pull out an object and I place the object on the table. Now, your mind, remember, has no context for this object. You don't know what this object is. You've never seen anything like it. You have no idea what it is or what it's for. And you don't know what it's called. So I tell you. I use the cognitive faculty of the mind, which is language, to name it. I say, this is a widget. Your mind then uses its cognitive faculty of language to categorize this object. And that category will tell the body how to feel about the object. Remember that. Um, Your mind then applies everything that I say after that to the object. I tell you that the object is dangerous. Uh, Your mind then categorizes this thing called a widget as dangerous. And uh, since the word dangerous already has a category in your body, uh, you tighten, right? Uh, And and it braces itself the way it always does when something is categorized as dangerous, you see. So your mind reminds the body how to feel. Your mind reminds the body how to feel. Your mind reminds the body how to feel. This is your entire existence as a human. That's what's happening all day long for you. So then I begin to tell you what this widget does, how it does it, and things like that. I describe 
uh, the widget to you, to your mind. I give your mind a description of the widget. I tell your mind how to perceive the widget. Remember, perception is a way of regarding, understanding, and interpreting something. I tell your mind how to understand the widget, regard the widget, how to interpret the widget. Reality is a description. The world, as you experience it, is a description. You experience a description. The world was described to you. Even what you, uh, e- even what you are was described to you. What you were allowed to say, what you were not allowed to say was described to you. We experience other people's descriptions of things. Um, Media describes love to you. It describes sex to you. It describes food to you, God, politics, all of it. So here we are. Um, The collective unconscious, the collective operating system or the collective subconscious for the humans of this planet has been programmed. Your subconscious mind, your personal operating system has been programmed as well. Now, I can feel the thought coming up in your minds already, so I'll just say it right now. It doesn't matter if it happened on purpose or not, okay? We will still have to reprogram things the same way, the same process, and the same amount of work and, and, and we have to be the ones to do it, not someone else or something else. It's not our fault, but it is our responsibility. Even if it was or is the fault of someone else, it is still up to us to do this work ourselves. So stop worrying about who's to blame and, and just fucking get to work. So in the past, whether it was um, you know some other magical systems or religion itself, practitioners were beholden to outside influences to bring about a desired change in their reality. Think about that. It was always up to outside things, entities, influences to bring about the change that they wanted, whether it was elementals, uh, demons, angels, spirit guides, ancestors, or God itself, These things were called upon to assist or do the work for the human in need, right? Um, And by doing that, by calling on these things, you are reinforcing your scared small self. You are reinforcing your continued need to go outside of yourself for help when it comes to your experience of life. So these ridiculous memes where you call on your ancestors or whatever to assist you, but then in the next breath, talk about your innate uh, divinity, right? Pick one. Are you God itself or not? Personally, I'm choosing to take some control instead of waiting for something to assist me. After all, isn't that the duty of the human birth, right? Whether it's Gnosticism or the Hinduism, whatever, the re- to remember its divinity. That's what we're supposed to be doing, according to things that I've read. Now, you know, I've heard other things. Good luck. So what chaos magic does is it allows you to draw upon your own personal power to create change in your life. 
your personal, personal power, not some outside thing or entity. You are not borrowing or harnessing the power from something else. You're it. You're the one, one with a capital O. That's you. Chaos magic is about changing your inner world to affect your experience of the outer world. Our perception of the world around us, that's what we're working with, but that's within. Remember, perception is reality. So what I'm going to do here is give you a few words so that we understand what we're doing. I just want us all on the same page. Um, the first word, and because I'm only saying this because these are the words that I see people use and I don't think they're making the connection. So the first word is incantation. An incantation is a series of words said as a magical spell or charm, right? Um, and that you hear incantation used to describe a lot of different mantras. And a spell is a verbal formula believed to have magical force. Magical force. And charm means to control or achieved by or as if magic. Remember, what we are trying to charm here or what we're trying to control is the subconscious mind, the subtle body, the soul's experience of earth, our experience of earth. We are working with our own mind, our own subtle body, our own experience. Our experience is the subtle body, the curriculum. Again, if you are doing this work in order to affect someone or something else, you're again missing the point and giving control to something outside of you or waiting for something outside of you to change in order for you to have a different experience. You're waiting for something outside of you to change for you to feel different. That's not going to work. Now, the word that I think is that um, that's really important here is the word mantra, because mantra means mind tool or mind protection. It's a tool that we are using to shape the mind, to protect the mind, to protect the mind from anything that is not the mantra. Now, what I've mentioned. Um, a lot of stuff, I've mentioned a lot of this in the past, but what I'm finding is that many people are listening to these out of order. So um, a lot of it needs to be said again. Plus, I'm a fan of repetition, which you will see. So um, there are a few things that we'll need in order for this to work. For this thing that we're doing here to work, we're going to need a few things. And one of those is the death of doubt an unshakable belief. You have got to kill doubt. Two, imagination. You are going to need to use your imagination. Your imagination, we've been taught that the word imagination means imaginary, that it's not real. Well, my iPhone was somebody's imagination at one point. So here we are, it's in my pocket now. Um, uh, three, repetition. Repetition, repetition, repetition right? Uh, when I've had clients say, you talk about the same things all the time. And I say, when you start doing different things, I'll say different things. But as long as you're doing the same thing, I don't think you're hearing me. So uh, now I know that some of you have researched this stuff and heard of the practices uh, or for, like creating sigils, 
uh, powering the sigil and firing the sigil and letting it go, never thinking of again of it again. But I don't understand that, uh, and I can't find reasoning for it. Um, I will touch on it later, but if you've had success with it, then I don't know, keep it up. But for our intents and purposes, I'm going to stick with my experience. Now, it, my experience that I've found other people, because I can't honestly say that I have had, it has worked for me and I have found it benefit, found it beneficial, but I just haven't found it as something that everyone can do. So I'm not really interested in getting into that. I want to give you something that I can tell you will work. Remember, I'm not going to ask you to do something that I haven't done myself or seen others benefit from it, right? So let's address this first part, which will be the death of doubt. Doubt will prevent all of this from working. Doubt is the word try. Doubt is the word hope. When I say I'll try or I hope, we are leaving room for doubt. If you ask me, hey, are you going to be able to pick me up from the airport? And I say, I'll try or I hope I can. How does that make you feel? Do you feel comfortable with that, that I'll pick you up? Or does it make you think, hmm, I might need a backup plan? You thinking that you might need a backup plan is what the mind is doing when we leave room for doubt. Okay? Do you want what you want or not? Do you want to be who you want to be and have the character that you want to have or not? Right? This is all, um, this is all to, this is all going to culminate in a writing practice and a physical practice. But at the beginning of all of this, before you truly get started, sit down and consider these statements first. I want a life of blank. I want others to see me as blank. I want a life of blank. I want others to see me as blank. Um, Finish these sentences. Now insert doubt. I hope I have a life of blank. I hope others see, how does that feel? Does that feel good? Does it feel more possible when you insert doubt? Of course not. It doesn't fucking feel good. It feels weird. It feels antithetical to what we're trying to do here. Um, there is a great Neville Goddard quote, and it says, I will be is a confession that I am not. I will be. When I say I will be, it is a confession that I'm not that thing. Now, that statement, I want others to see me as blank, Uh, When some think of magic or witchcraft, they look at it from the place of, I need to affect their mind, not mine. I'm going to do things, ceremonies, rituals, etc. that will change their minds. Well, that's wrong. These things, whether it's ritual, ceremony, or prayer, need to be geared toward our own minds, our own perception of, of who we are and what we're capable of. Um, If I want others to see me as strong, powerful, and wise, um, but I don't believe in full confidence without doubt that I am, then who the hell is going to believe me? If I don't believe it, why would you, right? Um, But if I had support from my partner, I'd be able to shut the fuck up. I'm I'm not buying your shit if you don't even buy it, period. I remember saying that to an ex one time. I was talking about how hard something was to do. And she goes, if you don't believe in this, why would I? 
And she was dead fucking right. So, you know, we've all been in the presence of someone who's trying to get us on board with something that they themselves weren't even on board with, right? Uh, when they're trying to convince you, it's like, who the fuck are you talking to? Because it sounds like you're trying to convince yourself of some shit, not me. And when you experience that, do you feel confident in that person? How about when that person pretends to be kind or, or, or they pretend to be compassionate? Do you buy in? Right? Sometimes. But even then, eventually the facade crumbles. Bullshit is really hard to maintain. And you've got to kill the doubt. Right. And this is also what I can't go over this without saying it, but it's like that, that, uh, boss, I guess he was a boss. I hesitate to say that this person, they put in charge of things where I was working and, and he would say, this is my house. And it's like, it just sounds so thin and hollow and I'm not buying it. He had no personal power and you know what? None of us bought in. That was a problem for him. So This is also why you have to work on this stuff privately, which is hard for some of you. God forbid you work on something deeply personal that isn't posted on Instagram. This is where my shirt that says, don't sprinkle shit seeds on my dream field comes from. This is where it comes from. Keep it to yourself. You don't need the doubt or even the support or energy of others muddying up your own thoughts and concentration. Someone could say something that would alter the trajectory of your thinking. So again, this is private. This is why this requires discipline and focus. You don't need the questions or comments of others. I don't know about you, but in the past, when I'm working on altering my self-concept, I didn't need the help of others to feel freaked out about my life. You know what I mean? So, you know, just to wrap up this section, doubt will destroy everything. Um, You might feel like you're lying to yourself when you start to work on changing how your subconscious mind is experiencing yourself and the world around you, but who cares? You're already lying to yourself about all sorts of things, especially your own divinity and your own self-worth and your own capabilities. Saying things like, this is going to be tough, but I know I can do it, or I'm getting better, or I'm going to try my hardest, those statements are filled with doubt. Those statements are leaving you an out leaving you an excuse to quit and leaving you excuse not to follow through. Or one day it'll be like this. This leaves open the possibility that the changes you are making within yourself aren't possible. One day, I hope, I'll try, all that shit. Um, Or it leaves open the possibility that they couldn't come to fruition. And you have to ask yourself, do you believe or not? If you don't believe, you're gonna have to work on that. You know, uh, no matter how intense you feel that these changes uh, are, right, you have got to tell yourself that it's done. It's happened already. That's you. That's the world. The subconscious operates on a delay. So this this kind of running, it's kind of like running past the finish line, right? If you're running to the finish line and you look at the finish line, you'll slow down every time. But if you look past it, you'll maintain that speed right? Um, a friend of mine always wanted to be a runner and he'd go running with me and I would say, I'm running. Go, All right, we're going to run to the tree, but I wouldn't tell him which tree. And he started slowing down when we got towards the tree he thought we were getting to. And I'd always point that out to him. So the next piece of this is the imagination component. 
Imagination means the faculty or action of forming new ideas or images or concepts of external objects not present to the senses. This is powerful because this involves the conscious mind. Remember, the subconscious mind is outside of your conscious awareness. You don't know what it's doing. And it is also your operating system. So you don't really know what it's doing, right? Uh, which is kind of scary. But while the conscious mind is within your conscious awareness and involves imagination, and with enough practice, we can begin to watch the conscious mind and correct the conscious mind when it goes astray and keeps with that same old defeating narrative. Another way to view this is when we correct behavior, the mind changes, right? Behavior changes, the mind changes. Do something different, think something different. And um, that might look like this. Uh, in the past, we got caught up uh, in, in that defeatist narrative, which caused us to behave a certain way. And in turn, that behavior reinforced the subconscious mind's perception of reality or its pattern of thinking. It's reinforcing that same old shitty algorithm. So back to the imagination feature of the conscious mind. If you can't imagine what it would feel like to be this person that you'd like to be, uh, that, or, or, or this life you would like to experience or the way you would like to experience life, then how could you possibly achieve it? You can't even imagine it. In fact, when you try to imagine it, your mind goes, no, 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 it's always bullshit. We got to get over that. We got to work through it. And that's what we're going to try to do here. So imagination is a vital piece of all spirituality, religion, and magic. In fact, in the Vajrayana lineages of Tibetan Buddhism, such as the Karmakagyu lineage, the lineage that I took refuge in, visualization is a big part of the practice. It's about exercising the ability to imagine a world of compassion or whatever. Um, I found that imagination is like a muscle. It needs to be exercised. It grows. It gets stronger. Um, the Medicine Buddha practice, for instance, you visualize this it's a pretty ornate visualization, but what happens is you just get stronger at seeing things the way they need to be. So uh, the conscious mind is very important. As you can see, um, we can use it to impress or program new thought patterns and perceptions into that subconscious mind. Understand that the world is viewed through the subconscious mind. It's like a lens. It's our beliefs our experiences. It is the operating system. The subconscious mind is um, a pattern. It's a pattern that we experience as reality. These things always happen. That always happens. The world's always this way. The world's always that way. The subconscious mind is our whole world. The subconscious mind is our experience. The subconscious mind is judgment, perception, consciousness, language, memory, and thinking. That's everything. And each of those faculties has changed over time with experience. Experience that was viewed through those faculties. So you can see that when we change them, our world changes. When we change our judgments, the world changes. We see things differently. Our experience of the world changes over time. And what's really interesting is that each time a change happened, it was considered the truth. Every time 
it changed. We said, this is how it is. This is reality. This is the world. Every time our mind changed, our perception changed of the world, we said, this is how it is. This is who we are. So, you know, there was a time when you maybe had a better view of yourself, a more capable view of yourself, but then something happened. Maybe your heart broke. That's one that we've all had. Who knows? But it hurt enough that you began to see things differently. Uh, maybe your view of yourself changed. And that view somehow became the truth. That became your reality, right? That became your belief in yourself. And since your mind perceived it, your body felt it. Maybe at one point you didn't think you were an unlovable piece of shit. And now you believe that you are, right? And you know that you always haven't been. So, uh, you know, you were playing the role of a brokenhearted person and therefore experiencing the world as a brokenhearted person. And all along telling yourself that, uh, you know, or telling, you know, others as well, that this is how it is, right? Speaking as if it is reality. That's how, you, that's how you did it. And at times you even tried to convince others that that was real, that your reality was the correct one, right? Um, so what was I going to say? So um, we can apply anything to this, right? Not just being brokenhearted, but like politics, religion, spirituality, whatever. But this brokenhearted, unlovable thing that you saw yourself as was the role that you inhabited, and as the player in the Leela, right, or the actor in that scene, you had a view of the world. And that was how you viewed it. But some people didn't have that view, right? Some people saw the world differently. Some people do see the world differently. But, you know, they were just idiots or they are idiots, right? Or they live in Florida and they don't know how important all this stuff is. And, <laughs> you know, that they just aren't paying attention, right? Or they just didn't know what you knew. Just give it time. You know, one day you'll see and then, you know, you'll be as sad as I am and that'll teach him a lesson, right? Like one day you'll, you know, you'll, when you're burning a lake of fire, then you'll see. You know, one day you'll see how awful the world truly is. And then we'll see who knows what, right? Or, um, <laughs> or as you're playing the role of the wounded, brokenhearted, unlovable lump of a person, maybe someone didn't see it that way. Right? In fact, they didn't understand why you felt that way about yourself. Maybe they thought you're wonderful. So where's the truth in all of this? Is your perception of yourself and the world true? Or is their perception of yourself and the world true? Is life actually that tire fire you think it is with all of its death, disease, and lies? Or... Is it a beautiful play where we slip in and out of these roles where at one point we're in pain and another point we're in love, back and forth? Well, the word true means in accordance with fact or reality, accurate or exact. Well, we have a problem, don't we? Right? And an, and an illusion is anything wrongly perceived by the senses. You can see what I'm implying here. You lived an illusion and a lie. You lied to yourself about horrible you are, right? How horrible life is and how impossible things are while, you know, others lied to themselves about how wonderful they are, how beautiful life is, even with its pain and suffering and how, you know, all that shit, you know, here we are. Who's lying? 
Both you and these others used imagination to construct a reality. And both were relatively correct based on your perceptions, and both were relatively false based on your perceptions. Perception means a way of regarding, understanding, and interpreting something. I'll say that over and over again in case you forget. Um, and I'm sure you see the definition of perception is filled with subjectivity. And if perception is reality, then our perception of reality is subjective. And if it's subjective, we can change it. And if you know reality itself is too big a task, let's look at your perception of yourself, the way you regard, interpret, and understand yourself, who you are, what you are, all that. Perception of self is malleable. We have got to use our imagination to imagine a new self-concept, a new way of seeing yourself, right? Um, how would it feel to be this person, to be this way, right? How, uh, what would it be like to be this way? Like, uh, what would it be like to have others perceive you this way or that way? How would it feel? Imagine this person you want to be, this persona that you want to fully inhabit, you know? Um, another way to go about this is that, um, you know, maybe you know of someone with similar characteristics, right? Maybe they're from a book or a movie or something. And as an exercise, pretend to be them. Go to the grocery store, walk through the store, and in your mind, be this person. How do they see others, right? What is their perception of other people? Is it different from the one you currently experience? Maybe they look at others with love and compassion, but that's not currently something you do. So go to the store and practice it. Fake it till you make it. And then one day, poof, you're it. You're this person. Refine it. Work with it. This is, I did exactly these things. Um, it just, because all your personality is, is a relative concept. Your personality has changed over time. How did it change? Why, why is it, which is, which is real, right? We have to imagine it, feel into it, and have absolutely no doubt that this is the way it is. There can be no doubt that this is who you are. This is the world you live in. You have to kill the doubt and feed the imagination. So the next piece of this is repetition. Now, um, if you're still unsure about what direction to go here when it comes to who you want to be and what you would like to experience as far as this birth goes, ask yourself what your intention is for your entire life. Often we think of setting an intention in terms of something like a project perhaps, but uh, or some other thing that we're doing in any given moment, but never we never consider setting an intention for our entire birth. Um, of course, this doesn't mean that it won't change at some point, but it's still something we need to consider, right? Um, it helps us decide other things. So this, I just wanted to say that, but this repetition piece is very, very important. The repetition is the most important piece of this. Um, have you ever gotten good at something by simply doing it one time? Obviously not. Uh, does the social media algorithm change with just one click? No, of course not. It takes time and it takes repetition. The world that your subconscious mind is showing you is the result of repeatedly thinking the same things over and over and over again. 
Think about that. Your subconscious mind shows you the world because you've repeatedly thought of things this way, in this context. People, yourself, your personality, right? All of this is subjective. It's all malleable. You don't have to buy any of it. Um, a lot of people ask me, uh, you know, what could I read to help me understand uh, chaos magic or what I'm talking about here? Well, what I'd like to say is, you know, wait for the next Infinite Spark of Beam book. <laughs> Hopefully I'm able to put all this together. But uh, that's not a great answer. So I guess the best answer I could give you is a book titled Road to Islan by Carlos Castaneda or another book called uh, A Separate Reality by the same man. Um, he wrote several books about the years he spent studying with a shaman named Don Juan Matus, but those two are the most interesting. Road to Islan is the real juice. Um, I think after the next episode, maybe I'll do one on that. Um, maybe I'll do the next one on that. Or maybe... I don't know, but I'll figure it out. So uh, back to repetition. Uh, this is where the mantra recitation practice and the journal exercise I gave you comes in. Um, I did the journaling exercise, I think a few times actually. What I've found is that if I constantly chant the names of God, then the names of God stay on my mind. I'm constantly thinking of them. And if I study the Puranas, the Bhagavad Gita, the Ramayana, then I also have the pastimes of God in my mind as well. And those are also associated with those names, right? I'm, I'm giving this thought that I keep having, I'm giving it more of a ground. Um, and don't worry, I'm, this isn't going to become a podcast about God. I'm just trying to illustrate my point. Repetition of a thought right, brings the mind continually to that thought. And that repeated thought begins to bleed out into other thoughts, meaning that uh, you consider the mantra and what the mantra means in all of your activities. And that can mean a lot of different things. But the point is that the purpose of the mantra begins to take over. The meaning of the mantra takes over, so to speak. It gets imprinted into the subconscious. It now becomes part of the way the subconscious mind tells us about the world. That's why uh, the repetition of the names is so important in bhakti yoga. Um, there's a book, uh, Eknath Eshwan did a book. Uh, called Passage Meditation, which really gets into a lot of that that I think is worth checking out. So what we'll have, if we're doing all of this correctly, are present tense positive statements, uh, statements that we'll repeat over and over without a shred of doubt. They will be mantras that will protect us against thoughts that are outside of the mantra. But what if we experience doubt? How do we deal with it? Well... Try this practice. Uh, what I like to do is sit with my eyes closed. Um, imagine how it would feel to be free of that doubt, to inhabit the confidence in what you're doing, right? Imagine yourself with these characteristics. Imagine others seeing you with these characteristics. What would it be like to be seen this way? How would that feel? This is literally sitting down and imagining how it would be and really feeling into it. Now, this is where the journal comes in. We went over this two or three episodes. I don't know, but I'm going to go for it again. Um, once we have our doubtless, present tense, positive statement, 
or what we'll call our mantra, we move to our journaling exercise. Remember, this journal is just for this practice and everything that is written in this journal is absolutely true without a doubt, right? So we're gonna write uh, this mantra on as many pages as we want, but no less than one. We're gonna write it over and over and over and over. I myself have multiple mantras that I've made. So I write one mantra on one page and then I do the next, but no less than one page, a complete page, and you have to finish what you start. So if we wanted to become a more compassionate person, we might be writing, um, I am love and compassion, and that would fill up as many pages as we wanted, but no less than one. Finish the page, don't walk away. And as you write, you write these mantras slowly, almost as if you're writing them on the mind itself, knowing that it is absolutely true. This process will work if you give it time, give it the time that it deserves. So this episode is an entire practice real quick. Just, just wanted to repeat that. This whole episode is the practice. Do not pick and choose. It all matters. Now, uh, the next step is the walking or bilateral stimulation piece of this. Uh, this is something that I use when I work with people to clear traumas. Um, you know, uh, the bilateral stimulation, not, not the walking, but the bilateral stimulation. This is a very powerful thing that allows the mind to change. Um, but by walking and reciting these mantras, bilateral stimulation would be the movement of the feet. They become woven into the mind. They become part of our reality. Uh, our reality, rather. The way they become part of the way the mind thinks. The mind starts to see the world through the lens of these mantras. And this is interesting because when I first started doing japa, and they walking and reciting a mantra under your breath is basically what japa means was those were very powerful times and I didn't know why. I would at times thought it was the woods I was in or whatever, but it wasn't. It was my feet, the movement of my feet. That's how this meat machine works. The soul is inhabiting a meat machine that works a certain way. So bilateral stimulation. So the next part of the repetition is the mala. Um, while we walk and recite these uh, present tense positive statements, it's good to use a mala. Uh, this way, um, we stay on track. For this particular practice, I tend to use a hand mala, which is only 27 beads, so you do four rounds to make 108. Um, and when we do it, we're engaging the fingers, the mind, the feet, the voice, uh, as we walk and say these present tense positive statements about who we are, how the world is. It's good to say it out loud as if we are talking to someone and telling them how it is, as if we are talking to God itself about who we are. Say it with conviction. Um, it's good to do it alone, obviously, for that reason. Um, otherwise, you seem like a crazy person. Um, if there are others around and you don't you know, feel comfortable yelling declarations into the sky, I don't. Um, whispering under your breath is fine. That's what's called japa. Um, so if I'm not using a mala, and to be honest with you, mostly I don't, um, do it this way. Uh, you say it three times, right? You make these declarations three times. Once for my divine nature, 
once for my early, earthly, sorry, earthly nature and once for my lower nature. And I use a visualization for that. Um, for the first, I imagine a ring of light spreading out from my head, right? Like I was wearing a headband and there's light shining out of my head in all directions like a disc. For the second one, I imagine that ring of light or disc of light spreading out in all directions from my chest and my back. And the third, I imagine a ring of light spreading out in all directions from my feet. Um, if I'm working with multiple statements, I do them all this way. I say them all in sections of three. Why do we say for three? Because all three, the, those three natures must be aligned. They must be in sync, right? The triune nature of a human being. Now, all of these steps are working on bringing about this reality. Our life becomes a magical working. We are rearranging things within the subtle body, right? which is the soul's work to bring this about. Remember, 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 the subtle body is our soul's experience of this birth. The soul as us, we are soul, right? It's the soul's experience of birth. This is our karma. It is the mind itself. It's everything. Why wouldn't our birth be a magical working? Why wouldn't my life become the practice what else would I be doing here, right? So next I'm going to touch on something, but I'm not going to go too deep. Um, I feel like this thing could feed into distraction too much, so I'm going to keep it brief. But I, you know, I just want you all to jump into this thing and not really worry about all this bullshit. Uh, but actually before that, uh, I, want, um, I want you to remember something. There are so many ways to do what we're talking about here. Uh, so many great books, and none are explicitly about magic. Once you get this idea of what we're doing into your head, you start to see there's kind of an esoteric, occulty nature to most things. See, um, that's the thing about this, right? In our culture of you know Instagram witches and porn disguised as sex magic, people want this thing that looks a certain way. They want it covered in sage and crystals when the real shit... The real stuff is in disguise. For instance, no one ever thinks to read Napoleon Hill's book, Think and Grow Rich. Sorry, <laughs> marble mouth. Think and Grow Rich. But it is, um, in fact, a brilliant piece of occult literature. Uh, or they don't read Aleister Crowley. And they don't, you know, they don't get the allegory of all of this. Uh, they don't read the Satanic Bible and understand what that is about. People are afraid to read these things because why? What other people said about it to them. They don't read them because what someone else said, because what the culture said. Where are we? We're right back in Widget Town. It's the widget. Someone described it to them and they said, okay, that's how it is. Or, okay, that must be what it is. The things I know, I know because I read the book myself, the whole book, not a meme about the book or what my yoga teacher heard from their yoga teacher that heard from some other yoga teacher that watched a YouTube clip about it. But I digress. Um, what I was going to talk about was sigils. I don't want to get into it, but... Fuck it. Um, a sigil, if you were to use it for our intents and purposes and what we're talking about here, based on the practice that I'm 
telling you about is a symbol, right, that symbolizes what you want. This reality that you are trying to cultivate, it's going to symbolize that. So take that present tense positive statement and write it out. Cross out, some of you already know what I'm going to say, cross out all the vowels so that you have nothing but consonants. Uh, Then if you have double consonants, cross out all of them until there's only one. So if you have like multiple T's, you only leave one T. Then arrange the letters upside down, sideways, backwards, whatever, in a way that makes kind of a cool symbol. Only you know what this symbol means. And again, for our intents and purposes, do not share the meaning of this symbol. In fact, let me fucking show it to anybody. Right? Don't share the meaning. Look at the symbol several times a day. Have it on a piece of paper in your pocket. Stare at it and recite it. Recite the statement. Right? Think the statement over and over and over again while you're looking at the symbol. Laminate it. Do something like that if you want. Now, some say to... I don't know, charge it, fire it, jack off on it, white blood on it, set it on fire, whatever the fuck, and then forget about it. But I'm not going to get into any of that today. In fact, for all of these steps that I've described, forget about the sigil. Um, I felt like I had to bring it up, but I just, I haven't seen it work consistently, right? Recitation, like repeating something over and over is how the mind works, right? And the mind has a divine nature. Like you're not, just because we're talking about the mind doesn't mean you're not doing anything fun and ooky spooky. Um, People either keep forgetting or just don't know that, right? That the mind is the karma. It's our reality. This is the soul's experience. You as a soul are experiencing this birth through the mind. The mind changes with repetition, right? This is our reality. It's our experience here. By changing and training the mind, our experience changes. And I believe that we do that through repetition. So let's recap. Um, We're going to consider our intention. What do we want? I want others to regard me, for instance, as kind, compassionate, and patient. So I have to cultivate that within me. I can't change them. I have to change me. And since kindness, compassion, and patience is a state of mind, I have to train my mind to work from those places, from the place of kindness, compassion, etc., if that's what I'm cultivating. So my present tense positive statement might be, I am kind, compassionate, and patient in all of my affairs. Now, at the end of that, you could add, so it is, right? That's what swaha means. Or this is a fact without question. I like this is a fact without question. I say that one a lot. And don't sprinkle shit seeds in my dream field. And regardless of the past, this statement must be believed without doubt. You must sit and feel into it. Feel into how it would be to be this person. Use your imagination. Right? Imagine how others, how it would feel... Um, how would they act around you? How would they be around you? How would people treat you, right? How would they see you? How would it feel to be this person? Feel into it. Um, Then we're going to write it repeatedly in our journal, no less than one page every time we sit down. You can do more if you like, but no less than one page. You can always come back and write in more pages, but if you sit down to do this, finish one page. 
and do not fly through it. Take your time. This is important work. After all, you spend all this time, you know, in a shit show. Why not spend some time doing this? Don't rush it. You are writing this into the mind, into the karma, into the subtle body. You are writing your experience as a kind, compassionate, patient person, for instance. And along with the writing of these statements repeatedly is the walking exercise. You are going to walk and either recite it on a mala or do the groups of three, right? And you can do repeatedly as a group of three, right? The first with the light in all directions out of the head, the light in all directions out of the chest, light in all directions out of the feet. Um, I think I'm going to stop here. Uh, let me, we are at 53 minutes. Um, <laughs> Um, if I've missed something and you want me to elaborate, feel free to DM me. You know that. Um, I'm not sure if this will probably need a follow up, but this is it. This is the practice I've given so many people and they've all had success with it. Again, I'm not going to talk to you about it if I haven't seen it work. So, uh, that's it for chaos magic uh, at least my version of it and how I do it. <laughs> I hope it was helpful. I'm sorry. There's not a bloody chicken involved. Um, I hope that you found this beneficial. And as usual, if you have questions, comments, or suggestions, feel free to reach out. I'll always respond. As I mentioned before, if you'd like to support the ongoing creation of the infinite spark of being and all of its facets, please, please, please do it at the infinite spark of being.com. You know, if you want more podcast episodes, I'm going to quit my job. Just kidding. I wouldn't quit my job. I love it. Doing less of it would be cool though. Um, <laughs> at infinitesparkofbeing.com there's a link to the Patreon where you can donate there's also the uh, shop link the book link all of it as usual don't forget we've known each other for a very very long time you can always reach out and talk to me we're old friends don't be weird about it I love you goodbye goodbye